Inside your programs is a prayer card, a welcome card. If you want to let Jeremy know, you might just write, put me in, coach. Um, don't put like once a year. Maybe, maybe, maybe once a month or some of you that are already serving once a month might consider going to twice a month. That'll really help him. Well, you do that, and I want to share with you uh, this new series, Spirit-Led Living. Spirit-Led. What does it look like to be led by the Holy Spirit? Let me begin by asking you this question. What's the difference between a good dining experience and a great dining experience? What's the difference between a good dining experience and a great dining experience? Customer service? Tell your neighbor, what do you think is the difference between a good dining experience and a great dining experience? Shall we say uh, portion size? Shall we say uh, customer service, as I mentioned? Shall we say good ambiance, good lighting? Shall we say price? How much am I spending? How about this? How, How many signals do I have to drive through before I get there? I say it's the stuff you don't plan. This last week, a uh, week ago actually, last weekend, Melissa and I were looking for a great atmosphere to go out and enjoy dinner together. And we toyed with, do we go to, we like Bella Brew, do we go to, um, do we go to BJ's? We had a couple uh, Christmas gift card cards available. And then we, we said, you know what, let's go to Pete's. The last time I saw Pete's Pizza had a had really nice atmosphere in there. And we, we got there, and then we realized, hey, we actually have a gift card to Pete's. And so we went back to the house and got our gift card, and we arrived there. And I saw the a vehicle that looked like one of my friend's cars. And I said, oh, Melissa, I think, this, I think that this family might be here. If they're here, can we eat with them? Can we? Can we? Please, please. And, and she said, because it was her Friday night, you know, sometimes a, a teacher or any any uh, employee wants to kind of just chill Friday night. She said, yes, we can. She said, that'd be great. So they, we walk in and they were there and they had, they weren't sitting with anyone. Said, can we sit with you? Yes. And we had a great evening together and followed up at their home afterwards. I say the best dining experiences are the surprises, the stuff you don't plan. When you go to Five Guys for your first time and they surprise you with free peanuts. Or you go to Five Guys and they surprise you with a serving of fries is enough actually to feed a family of five. You don't even need to order the burgers. It's the surprise factor. It's the surprise element that, that makes a uh, meal special, a dining experience special. You, I went over to some friend's house just a couple weeks ago. Oh, and she, she, she broiled some fish that was just so good. And luckily she lets us take some home and got to enjoy it for the week. It was awesome. There's just nothing like that surprise element when it comes to a dining experience. Let me ask this question. What's the difference between a well-thought-out decision and what I will call a great spirit-led choice? A well-thought-out decision. In other words, you've done the math. Facts are your friends. The Bible teaches us to love God with all of our mind. And so critical thinking Analysis should go into planning. Nothing wrong with planning. Proverbs 16 encourages, us, encourages it. But all, all the math works out with your plan. The chemistry's right. Uh, the, you're a good fit for whatever direction you're considering. Yet, at the last moment, 
you get this little prompting that there might be something that is better. In fact, it could be great. It's a little prompting. The math still works out. The competencies still match. The chemistry still matches. With, and whatever values you're using to make your decision. But there's this surprise element that, that just makes it go from here to here. And what I want to suggest is if, if our decisions are being accompanied with prayer, that the difference between a, a, between a well-thought-out decision and a spirit-led choice is this. A spirit-led choice is the result of following the leading of God's Spirit. A spirit-led choice is the result of following the leading of God's Spirit. Spirit-led living. How does the Spirit of Jesus, and I quote, how does the Spirit of Jesus guide me? That's the question I want to answer this morning. Just that question. This is not a comprehensive treatment of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. I will be doing that over the next few weeks. Um, But it is simply answering up front, how, how does the Spirit of Jesus guide me? Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. I want to read just two verses that have something very much in common with Acts chapter 16. I'll be reading just the, the end of verse 18 in Philippians chapter 1, and then also verse 19. Philippians, the end of 18, and then also verse 19. Here it is. The Apostle Paul, writing from prison, says this, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Let me repeat that. Verse 19 again. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus... What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, who are we talking about here? The Spirit of Jesus. He's described throughout the New Testament in similar similar phrases in this way. He is a gift, Acts 2.38. He gives life to our mortal bodies, our physical bodies, Romans 8.11. He washes, he sanctifies, and he justifies, 1 Corinthians 6.11, 1 Peter 1.2. He was promised, also described as the promised one, uh, by the Father. Galatians 3, verse 14. He reveals wisdom and revelation of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He is the means by which we worship. And Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. And he connects you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 4, verse 23. And let me add, as we begin this look at what it means to live a spirit-led life, I had a conversation with one of our, one of our uh, I would call her a mother at adventure, one of our mothers, I, she wouldn't be a sister, she's older, old, old enough to be my mother, and she, the first thing she said to me this morning after we started working on a project was, I've been reading in Numbers. I've been reading in Numbers, and I I said, I love to hear when people say they're reading their Bibles. I love it. I'm serious. I I would have taken her to Pete's with my wife and I today. I was so excited to hear that. I said, because people don't get it. If we're not in the Word, we become, we, our hearing is impacted as it relates to living a Spirit-led life. 
And the first thing she says, I've been reading in Numbers, and she shared this controversial passage, which would be a major detour right now, so I won't go there. But uh, uh, she, she said, I've been reading the Bible. I said, I'd love to hear that. She says, oh, I do it all the time. I was like, oh, that's how we hear the Holy Spirit in part. And this is what I want to say as we talk about this, is that the Holy Spirit will always work in sync with the Bible. The Holy Spirit will always work in sync with the Bible. But I think sometimes we miss out on him for a couple reasons. One, we forget that the early church didn't own a Bible. There may have been a letter to the Philippians that would be shared by a region as large as uh, the Sacramento region and the Bay Area. And maybe some copies of it, of a letter, of one of the 27 letters of the New Testament. And so the early church as you'll see in the letters of the New Testament, was dependent upon the Holy Spirit to guide, to counsel, to direct, the Spirit of Jesus. So there was an early church dependency on the Holy Spirit. Now, after the invention of the Gutenberg Press in the 11th century, and here we are in modern 21st century, where we can open up on our smartphone any translation you want, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, any, you know, from the message to the NIV to the NASB to the cotton patch version, whatever you want. Now we have so many Bibles that we're not, and so many choices and so many options with our activities, we're not reading the Bible. We're just not. We don't read the Bible. And so what I think is just critical is that we It's not either or. It's not either I need to start listening to the Spirit of Christ personally or I need to start reading the Bible. It's both because they always work in sync together. But in our day, because of the abundance of the Bible, I think we need to revisit what it looks like to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. And let me begin just a little doctrinal piece here. He is the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And I'm talking about the spirit of Jesus Christ. That is whom he is described or how he is described simultaneous to the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 16, verses I think it's 6 through 9, the apostle Paul is making some big decisions. And the scripture says that the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go to uh, Mysia. And, the, and then the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let him go to Bithynia. They're used interchangeably. I want to say that the Spirit of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I want you to leave with this idea. That Spirit-led living looks to Jesus as guide. Spirit-led living. It's, it really is, what would Jesus do? That kind of trite acronym, WWJD. That's what it means to live a spirit-led life? Well, the question I want to begin answering is this. How does the spirit of Jesus guide me? Let's, let me show you what happened in the life of Paul on this map behind me. Um, you can see up at the top of the, you can see Paul's, this is his second missionary journey. He's coming uh, through Syria from Israel and then along the Roman road, no doubt, and then up uh, north, uh, west, and he gets up to uh, Bithynia and Mysia, and you can see the, the red 
square above that with great intentions and for great reasons to share Jesus with an unreached, imperfect world, the scripture says in Acts chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit told Paul, no. And then the scripture says that the spirit of Jesus, I don't want to misquote, I'm going to turn there if you want to join me. It's a fascinating passage if you're not familiar with it. Acts chapter 16, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And in Acts 16, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit kept Paul from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not let them, would not allow them to. How interesting. Sometimes when we have the greatest intentions, the greatest motives, Paul is, Paul is compelled to share the gospel message that the Holy Spirit tells him no. The Spirit of Jesus tells him no. Have you not experienced that sometimes? You've got the plan, the, the right motives from your perspective, and yet the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, tells you no. The Holy Spirit tells you no. What happens when we want to go a different direction than the Spirit of Jesus wants us to go? What if Paul said, you know what? I don't get these kind of feelings I'm having. I don't understand what I'm sensing. Uh, This doesn't make sense. I'm going to ignore my feelings. I'm going with what I think is rational. These folks in Bithynia, they're an unreached people group. I'm going north. What happens when you go against the will of the Holy Spirit? Even though the Lord is still our shepherd, it may very well be that as I've read, that you're going to endanger your own life. You're going to put at risk your own safety. The timing may not be right. You're going to pursue something. Maybe it's in business. You're going to pursue something. Maybe it's for a, to be an ambassador to a particular area, and your, your words are going to fall on deaf ears. And yet... What I find so interesting is that sometimes when the Holy Spirit is leading, it can be more difficult. This isn't unusual. Okay, let's go back to the map. Thank you, Quan. Uh, look at the map. So he's in Mysia, where that, that second um, uh, line uh, ended by an arrow ends in Mysia. And uh, what we discover is that the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go north, which was so simple, Instead, the Holy Spirit will tell him where, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, but what it's going to require is that he cross the Aegean Sea. I want to tell you that often when the Spirit of Jesus is leading you and you're following him, it requires more time, more waiting, more sacrifice, more humility. It's typically not more leather, more cash, more comfort. That's my point. (laughs) Okay? There's sacrifice involved. And that's, that's the Holy Spirit often, it leads against the flesh. My flesh wants comfort. My flesh wants leather. I'm not saying if you have leather, you're in the flesh, okay? You have cow's flesh. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying that the Holy Spirit often leads us a direction that, that is not initially our first thought, our first plan, that's not always comfortable. Just this week in the office, uh, we had a vehicle. Praise the Lord, we had a vehicle. Uh, not hurt anybody, but actually lost control, lose control, and run right into one of the offices. 
at Star Academy. I mean, it was a huge sound. The car literally broke into, went into, through the window, and the front portion of the bumper was in an office. It was a very loud, loud noise, and we got up. Uh, the staff got up out of the offices we currently share with Star Academy, and we went over to the car, and uh, we, you know what? We just, just thought what we needed to do was just pray. And so we went up to the driver and said, can we pray for you? And she said, yes, I'm a Christian. I would love that. We prayed for her. Later that week, we had friends of hers actually reach out to us to thank us so much. She's in hiding. Pray for her. She's so embarrassed. But her friends came to say, thank you so much for uh, praying with our friend. It just meant the world. Two people I've never met came to our office and said, hey, thank you so much for praying. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit led us to go do that. And when he does, it was more important than the work we were doing. He gets the glory. He gets the work. Let me tell you, we see at Adventure the next generation of adventurers led by the Spirit, known for their love for one another, their neighbors, this Natomas community. Can you see yourself as an ambassador at, at your workplace? Can you see yourself being sent by the Holy Spirit as an ambassador to Natomas and to your workplace to bring Jesus' hope to this imperfect world? Hey, let me tell you, when someone's in a car accident, they're typically going to be very happy to receive prayer. We were able to pray for her. We see adventurers responding to God's whispers while opening their homes during a a hectic work week at hospital bedsides, in prison visitation, at homeless shelters, weddings, funerals, at Rayleigh's, and on multiple Sacramento adventure campuses in the future where, where the mercy of Jesus is being felt by other people. Someone said to me, you can see it on my Facebook, they commented, they said, oh, we just love the humanity of your staff, your sense of humanity. I said, hey, no one was more humane than Jesus. No one showed more compassion than him, and yet he suffered dearly for it. Here's point number one. The Spirit of Jesus guides me to where? The Spirit of Jesus guides me to where? I want to know I want to know where I'm supposed to go. The Holy Spirit will lead me there. He led the Apostle Paul. He'll lead you. The Spirit of Jesus guides me to the where? But he doesn't stop there. He also gives me other direction. One of my favorite books on leadership is by Jim Collins. The book, uh, his sequel to Good to Great, is great by choice. There's some great stories in there. But one of the points he makes in his chapter on luck, in, in other words, is, is, is success in business the result of luck or skill? And he talks about luck because it, it is a measurable quantity. But this is how he talks about luck. He says, who is your best luck as it relates to your own success? He says, we tend to think of luck as a what variable. The plane drives by at the right moment. Your IPO becomes much more successful than expected. It's the what. But one of the most significant forms of luck, says Collins, comes not as what, but in the form of who. Of all the luck we can get, people luck, the luck of finding the right mentor, the right partner, the right teammate, the right leader, the right friend, is one of the most important. Hey, let me say, as it relates to having Craig and Jeremy on staff, God has been good. I wouldn't say we've been lucky. God has been good. Because he has brought us to the right who. Let me suggest, if even, if even the, uh, the 
guru or think tanks of leadership are saying, hey, it, when it comes to luck, it's not what, it's the who, then no doubt the Holy Spirit is going to lead us to the right people. The Spirit of Jesus will lead us to the right people. Now, I want to look at this map again and show you what happens. After Paul uh, accepted the Spirit of Jesus, thwarting him from going north, the Scripture says that he walked a little bit more, and then he lay down for the night, and he had a dream. That dream was called the Macedonian dream or the Macedonian vision. He had a dream that night of someone in duress calling for his help from across the Aegean Sea. Isn't that, that is not, that is not uh, inconsistent with the scriptures. In Acts chapter 2, when, when Luke quotes uh, the prophet Joel, the scripture teaches that in the last days, young men will have uh, dreams and uh, old men alike. And this dream was a vision of where the Holy Spirit was leading him, where the Spirit of Jesus was leading him. It was going to take more humility, more sacrifice, more time. But the Spirit of of Jesus actually led him northwest. I think you can see it up there on the top, is to Philippi. He went to Philippi. Instead of where he wanted to go, he went someplace else. And as a result, he planted one of the most supportive and influential churches in all of the New Testament, in all of the Mediterranean world. And not only did he start those two churches, he, he met and recruited two guys that would help him significantly in his life. And those two folks were, anybody want to guess? I don't think it was Silas, but I, if I didn't do my study, I missed it. Another? He met Timothy, who would become his apprentice. He would write two letters to Timothy. Timothy would start the church in Ephesus and would be there for 30 years. He met Timothy. He met one more person who was a doctor. He met Luke in Philippi. And what would Luke do? Luke would take and write an exhaustive account with, an, with, a, with a real sensitivity to um, the miracles, and because, given his medical education, and he would give an exhaustive account of the ministry of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Did he stop there in his writing? No. He also picks up in the first person singular in Acts chapter 16, he wrote the book of Acts, the, first, the history of the first 30 years of the church. So let me pull you back to the map. When the Spirit of Jesus is leading you, the Spirit of Jesus will lead you a direction to discover the who are the most important people in your life. You may have problems you're facing, you may have obstacles, or even a mission that you desire to go on, but when the Holy Spirit leads, He's going to try to connect you to the who to get the work done. Does that make sense? It may be a contrary direction than you planned, but He's trying to connect you to the who. Without Luke... You don't have the gospel of Luke and Acts. Without Timothy, you don't have a great church in Ephesus. The Holy Spirit leads me to the who. Who's God placed in your life? Who's, be, who's he been putting in your life lately? I had something happen at the Kings game last Friday night. It was weird. There's this pastor. We've been challenged to 
at Sacramento Pastors last week, we were challenged to actually pick another pastor in town that we would switch pulpits with on, um, on Pentecost Sunday, uh, 50 days after uh, Easter in that range. And I had this guy in mind. Um, his, he's Pastor Ronnie of Jubilee. We have mutual friends. We've known each other for years. I'm at the Kings game um, uh, getting a beverage. Uh, actually, I'm in the bathroom. And I, I, was, I was going to the bathroom because I'd gotten a beverage. And I hope that helped clarify. And I'm in the bathroom, and Ronnie's right in front of me. I haven't seen him in three or four years. I thought it was him, so I just said, hey, excuse me, sir, can I, can I ask your, your, your name? And he said, I'm Ronnie. I said, Pastor Ronnie, Scott Matthews. And uh, I, it took me a moment to remember my name as well, but I wanted just to connect them. I said, hey, no kidding, yesterday I was at Sacramento Pastors. They challenged us to switch pulpits with someone. You were the guy that came to mind. I felt like God's Spirit just said, Ronnie. Would you be open to that? Yeah, I would. Yeah, and, and uh, we went on, and he gave me his contact information. I just want to tell you, the Holy Spirit often will take you to the who. He does that. So be open when you're praying. Be open uh, to how he's leading. He will always, he will always speak in, in sync with his word, but he'll lead you to the who. Paul found Luke and Timothy in in Philippi, God knew that he needed not just those two men, he needed that church to support his work throughout the Roman world. The Spirit of Jesus guides me to the who, but that's not it. I don't want to leave you there. I have been reading this book that is really influencing my uh, Easter series preparation. And it's a book, it's a must read. If you want something that will replace any of your Netflix addictions, this book will. It's called The Heavenly Man by Brother Yun. This, this brother was uh, raised in the persecuted church of China. Um, he, uh, in, in, the, in the 70s and 80s and 90s, and he was incarcerated most of his life and beat terribly. And he shares this one story in his book when he was at the maximum security prison in Zhanghu. If anyone speaks Chinese, please, after services, come and correct my pronunciation. And uh, he, they had already broken his legs. He had escaped prison so many times that when he first arrived, they broke both of his legs. And so he had to be carried around by fellow inmates all the time. The conditions were just unspeakable. And Brother Yen um, was serving a... Uh, I forget how many years the sentence was. I think he was in year four at the time. Um, and uh, he, he had this dream one night. He was getting very frustrated. Interesting, a lot of times these dreams happen when, when folks are really frustrated and really down. He had this, this vision, and the vision was that he was going to escape from prison the next day. Maximum security prison. He couldn't walk. He hadn't walked in, in years. And... Uh, for, for the sake of clarity, it was 18 months, actually. He, this was a new prison place he was at. And he always, he always, whenever he laid down, he kept his legs up to, keep, to alleviate himself from the pain. He had this vision that he was supposed to escape from prison the next day. And he believes that when the Holy Spirit gives a vision of when you're supposed to do it, you have to do it right then, no matter if it makes sense or not. 
It's really fascinating. And he gets up the next morning. He knocks on, knocks on the wall for his other brother to bring him, Brother Zhu, to bring him to the bathroom. He comes out in his skivvies, and Brother Vu picks him up, and he says, I'm escaping today. And uh, he says to Brother Vu, and Brother Vu says, I know. The Lord told me last night, too. Uh, one problem is I can't walk. And he said, take me to the bathroom. And on their way to the bathroom, they get, uh, they get a, some, they, some coveralls or whatever they put on him. And there's a broom there in the hallway. They give him a broom so he can walk. And the pain is excruciating. Uh, he had broken legs that had just been elevated for 18 months. And he has to go down two flights of stairs through, and through three security gates and 35 guards out in the courtyard. And what he does is, no exaggeration, you'll have to read this, he just walks through and every gate coincidentally has to, happens to be open. No one recognizes him. Maybe because of the cane, no one knows. All of his inmates were up looking at the window watching 35 guards uh, just allow him to walk right through. The gate opened. A taxi drove up. He said, he gets in the taxi, he tells the guy, drive very quickly. If there's any congestion, drive around it, get me out of here. Takes off. They never catch him again. Brother, the heavenly, heavenly man, Brother Yun, argues that when the Lord says to do something, you have to do it right then, whether it makes sense or not. He's the only one to ever escape this maximum security prison, according to the records. And there's also eyewitnesses that comment on his escape. They watched it, couldn't believe what they were watching. I want to say this, the Holy Spirit guides you to the wind. The Holy Spirit will guide you to the when. And it doesn't mean you make a decision on your own. You know, that the, that the Holy Spirit will, will, will always provide agreement, I think, uh, unless you're in a very unique situation. Other God-fearing people will agree. But He will guide you to the when. He'll guide you to the when. Let me ask, are you in a season in your life where... You've learned that just because it feels right and the facts line up, you don't always make the great choice. And if you're, if you're beyond your 30s and your 40s or 50s, you know that we still don't have time to make bad decisions. You know what I mean? There's too, much, too many liabilities. <laughs> are, you, are you ready to acknowledge that you want God's Spirit involved in guiding you where, who, and when? Spirit-led living looks to Jesus as guide. I want to ask, is the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, living and active in you? Are you aware of Him, the Counselor, the peace? One of my friends had the courage this week to give me permission to share this story with you. He and his bride are separating, and uh, he gave me permission to recommend a counselor, one of my favorite in Roseville. And he wrote me this week. He said, hey, after a short visit... um, no, he said, thanks for the counseling recommendation. She is listed as provider through my work employee assistance program, so my wife qualifies for eight sessions, paid for by my employer. Thank you, Jesus. And I said, if it had cost you $300,000 to keep your family together, would you have paid? He said, yes, sir. Here's the saying. There is a saying, where the Lord guides, he provides. When the Spirit of Jesus is guiding you, He's going to be providing for you. 
How does the Spirit of Jesus guide you? I've shared several, several ways. They are not exclusive ways. There are more ways that I'll talk about this month. But he's going to guide you to the where. He's going to guide you to the who. He's going to guide you to the when. Let me ask, I think, I think a more important question. Is, is the Spirit of Jesus guiding you now? Do you sense his presence in your life? I think there are four benchmarks that would give you confidence that the Spirit is, is guiding you. Number one, have you made a personal decision to believe in Jesus, that he was God's son that suffered on that cross, died in a, in a tomb, and was resurrected for your sins? If you have, that's, that is a moment where the Holy Spirit comes into your life. The same Spirit that raised him from the dead comes into your mortal body. Number two, Are you praying with others for the Spirit's direction? Notice in Acts chapter 1, where I only read a verse, that the early church, Paul was dependent on the early church praying for him. Are you allowing others to pray for you? Prayer is a means of fueling the Spirit's direction. Are you praying? With whom are you praying? Are you giving anyone permission to speak into your life based on their prayers for you? Is there anyone that might tell you something you don't want to hear? Have you said, hey, you're praying for me? I want to hear what the Lord's saying. My friend and I in college, I'll never forget, uh, my friend Brooke, he goes, uh, I said, hey, Brooke, are you praying for me? He says, yes, but every time I pray for you, he says he doesn't know you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're good friends. Even to this day, he lives in Lincoln. But, We pray, pray for each other. You're dependent upon the Lord to speak through others. And when I pray, things come to mind. People come to mind. Uh, Sometimes you'll get a call from me just because during my prayer time, you came to mind. Uh, And and when you're praying, the Lord will impress people or, or locations or direction on your mind. And you can run it past others and run it past the word, and that's how you sense the Lord's direction, kind of like the high priest would Urim and Thummim on his breastplate. We have that kind of spirit-led access. Thirdly, there's no question that habitual sin, my sin, I still sin. But when sin for me is a habit, it is something that owns me. When it moves into an addictive phase that I am quenching or pushing out or deafening my ears to what this Holy Spirit wants to say to me. And so the scripture teaches us to repent, to change our ways. When should we repent? Now. And so I would ask you this morning, if you're struggling with this question as to whether or not the Spirit of Jesus is guiding me, answer this question, do you have a habitual sin that is choking out the Spirit? Adventure, uh, I think that some of the sins that can... um, that can haunt us, we, we need to be willing to say, hey, I need help in this area. I need help with this addiction. I cannot stop. I can't stop spending. I can't stop eating. Um, in some cases, I can't stop sleeping. Uh, or I think one of the things that can be really tempting is I can't stop thinking of myself. I'm just so self-oriented. It can become an addiction. It can, and you can be so focused on those, or I can't stop drinking, I can't stop using 
you know, pharmaceuticals inappropriately, those can lead to a deafening of the ears to how the Holy Spirit's trying to lead you. Is there something for which you need to say, I need help? Uh, I think also um, we, we can easily become a greedy people. We can become the kind of people that live fast-paced lifestyles and use people to get things. And we have to be honest about that and say, hey, I'm, I'm in it for the portfolio and say, I want, I want to repent of that. I want to, put, I want to use things to bless people. I want to repent. I want to change. And then in our, in our culture especially, sexual immorality of all types are just so prevalent. And the Bible teaches us that our, our sexual intimacy is reserved for a husband and wife after their wedding day. There's not another place for it. And if, if that's an area where you're not, where you're, where you're struggling, I want to encourage you to go to somebody and say, I need help. I've got to get out of this in a dignified way that loves, uh, that loves people. I love what in sexual immorality includes more than just the married bed. It includes uh, pornography. In fact, the same word for immorality is, is pornography. It's porneos in the New Testament. I had a brother who sh- gave me permission this morning to share this story. He told me that uh, a family friend of his said, hey, I need some help. And he's like, what do you mean? He said, I've got so much pornography, I've got to get rid of all this. And uh, magazines and videos, and he said, to, he said to his family, can we burn them? He said, I don't know if we can burn them all, but we're, you know, in California, maybe you've got to be careful about what you burn, but... Uh, uh, but but we can certainly tear them up and throw them away. That's what it means to repent. Isn't that a great story? That's what it means to say, hey, I want the Spirit to be the number one communication with me. I don't want anything else in the way. And if, if, if I described anything that speaks to you there, I want to encourage you on our prayer card, you can check the confidential box off. I'm the only one that will see it. Just say I need help, and I'll call you. <sighs> last, last point is this. There's no doubt that there's a place, as it relates to receiving the Holy Spirit, there's a place in believing in Jesus, in, in asking for the Holy Spirit with prayer, in, in, res, in letting the Holy Spirit help us and lead us away from habitual sin. But there's also another place that's pretty symbolic and simple, and it's this question, have you been dunked? Have you been dunked? Have you been dipped? Have you been, have you been placed in water? In the early church, when a person came to know Christ, they were baptized. In fact, you read the book of Acts, they were baptized right away. And what's important to me with your baptism is that it was your decision. That's, to me, that's critical. That's, that's the one piece. It's got to be your decision. Sometimes parents make decisions for kids. Honestly, that's a dedication. But you've got to own up and, and get dunked. You've got to be baptized. And we're going to have a baptism on Palm Sunday. That's the last Sunday of March. And if that's something that you're interested in, we're going to have classes on March the 22nd. We want to dunk you. Nothing personal. We want you dunked. The scripture teaches that when we are buried, symbolically, the old man passes away and you're raised in the newness of life. Just like Christ was buried and resurrected, that's what baptism is symbolic of.
we want to see you be dunked. You might not feel different, but you'll feel better. Spirit-led living. Spirit-led living. By the grace of God, the Spirit of Jesus comes into our lives, shows us the who, the where, and the when. And a whole lot other stuff that I'm going to talk about this month. Maybe I spoke to you in a way this morning. Let me lead you in a prayer that might describe your situation. You can pray with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your promised Holy Spirit. He is our guide, our counselor. He does show us where. He shows us when. He shows us who sometimes. And right now, we simply want to say, Lord, we believe in your son, Jesus. If that describes you, why don't you just pray that prayer with me right now from where you're seated. Lord, I believe in your son, Jesus. Right from where you're seated. Lord, I believe in your son, Jesus. And if, if you desire for the Holy Spirit to fill you, I, I ask that you would honor the prayer in Luke chapter 11, and you would simply say, Father, give me more of your spirit. Fill me. Right from where you're seated. Father, give me more of your spirit. Fill me. And if you have identified a, an addictive behavior in your life, I mentioned several, uh, sexual immorality of any sort, greed or... Um, an addiction that you're really struggling with, for which you do not have help. Something you do weekly for which you do not have help. I simply, between you and the Lord, want you to say, Lord Jesus, provide someone who will help me. Right from where you're seated. Lord, you provide someone who will help me. And lastly, if it's time for you to be dumped, I pray right from where you're seated, you'll say, Lord, I'm ready to be buried with you. I'm ready to be dunked with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening so well. I really appreciate it. Craig?